you know, it's kind of like what you said. It'll probably never change. You know, I don't, I don't see that feeling ever going away. So, um, you know, if anything, that is that's one thing I think I've got going for me is just the the burning desire to want to, you know, just be successful. Welcome to the Get Wired Podcast, presented by CED Vero Beach. Join us as we make new connections, share our outlooks on business as well as life, and provide a new look at the wholesale electrical supply industry from the inside out. This is the Get Wired Podcast. Here's your host, Mike Burkhart. All right, welcome to the Get Wired Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Burkhart. Today we have Ryan Bialzak out of the Stewart location, fresh new out of the training program. And uh, Ryan, much like Nick Scala, um, graduated from UCF just like I did, and, and a few other uh, trainees turned managers in the recent history. And um, he's on the podcast today. He graduated from UCF in 2016. He's in the training program for about uh, two and a half, two and a quarter years, uh, given my math skills on the fly. And uh, now he's in charge of the CED Stewart location. Welcome to the program, Ryan. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and Ryan, uh, what, what's interesting about him, he was a marketing major in college, but he was uh, also interested in getting some work experience while he was there. So he was a server in a restaurant. He did a couple internships. He was a recruiting consultant, a marketing intern. Um, any other work experience that you had that might have lended to some valuable? You pretty much lessons? pretty much covered it there. Uh, I would say the serving experience probably was the most prevalent as far as uh, the actual experience uh, serving customers. How many restaurants did you work in? Um, I worked in a few. My first job was in a Panera Bread, and <laughs> then uh, just a couple like Chili's and a couple other sports bars, and then Two J's Deli. Yeah, it's that kind of like on your feet, fast paced right. um, customer service. You know, always with a smile, no matter how much stress is going on. Like that really does translate well into our industry, and I, it's something that I've always looked for when I'm at UCF and recruiting. Uh, you know, I've been to every single career fair since I graduated UCF in 2009, dating myself a little bit, and and the subsequent interviews afterwards. And the first thing I look for is, you know, do they have any restaurant experience? It's such an easy gig to get as a college student, and uh, it really translates well into a lot of different industries, but ours in particular. Um, I often say that the counter, a busy counter in a profit center is a lot like a bar. So there's a lot of activity, a lot of people yelling. A lot of, a lot of, you know, it comes in waves, so you got to know how to take breaths when you can, right? Um, and and really just fast-paced like interactions, dealing with cash, dealing with tickets, using computers. I mean, it really is like the perfect training ground for what we do. Absolutely. Um, there's also something about the the fact that you're paid based on performance. Performance, right? That not, sounds familiar. <laughs> not always, right? In restaurants, sometimes you do a great job and still get a terrible tip. Right. Uh, but for the most part, the better server you are, the better service you provide on a long enough timeline, you're going to make more money. Right. So we happen to work also in a performance-based system. Uh, tell us a little bit about your time at UCF, the training program, and being a manager. Okay. Yeah. So my time at UCF was from 2014 to 2016. I actually got my associate's degree at Palm Beach State College, tried to... Uh, save a little money and I, um, I did the same thing with Valencia right right and then uh, uh, once I graduated from Palm Beach State uh, obviously transferred over to UCF um, I actually started on a marketing and advertising track and uh, switched my major shortly thereafter to business marketing uh, 
And um, from there, I interned with UCF Athletics and did also, I uh, was a recruiting consultant, which didn't last long because I learned very quickly that, that it was not what I wanted to do with my life. And what does that mean? It means, um, so that internship was uh, recruiting healthcare professionals okay. and uh, placing them in jobs all over the country, which was um, pretty much just making uh, a ton of phone calls to people who did not want to be <laughs> called in the first place. And um, yeah, it was rough. But it was sales. It but was... it was sales. Yeah, it was good sales experience. Um, it definitely, um, it definitely was fast paced, and it gives you that uh, just just keep going attitude and just plunging through. So, how would you say which which job would you say impacted you the most in terms of your ability to switch over into CED and the environment that we throw you in in the training program? Um, definitely serving serving tables for sure. Okay. You're dealing with a whole bunch of uh, different types of personalities. You got to learn how to adapt and, uh, you know, find what makes them tick and, uh, you know, identify what they want and how they need to be helped as best as possible. And one thing we talk about a lot that's something that's very hard to, to train or to identify before you, you actually bring somebody on board is uh, I, I, I don't know any better phrase for it besides sense of urgency. There's this, mm-hmm. there's this uh, innate sense that, you know, that there's not enough time in the day. I think I did a podcast on this uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, so I don't want to, you know, duplicate that too much, but there's a sense that like, there's not enough time in the day. So everything you do has to be like this really intense burst of activity. Right. Um, and in serving, there's like all these clocks going off in your head all the time, right? You got mm-hmm. like, you know, eight minutes for the appetizers and 30 second greets. And, uh, you know, somebody sits down at the table, they should be greeted by somebody in 30 seconds. You got to get their drinks in two and a half minutes. You got to have 12 minutes for the for the food you know mm-hmm. if it's going 15 minutes the little thing turns red at the, you know at the expedite window and, <laughs> yep and uh i'm flashbacks now <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but you know that that really sets the bar of like a knowing the value of time and like knowing how to appreciate that mm-hmm. and how to move quickly to get a lot done but b like those are standards set by a corporation that that people become accustomed to right and with that is what brings people back to those locations. Um, and if you've been to a restaurant that's a chain and they you go to one place and it's, it doesn't meet that standard, someone's probably getting a complaint. You know, someone's mm-hmm. getting, but in our business, in our industry in particular, there really aren't like standards um, for how how quickly somebody should be greeted at the counter and how how fast a quote should get back. It, it's very, I don't know, store to store, right? Company to company. Salesperson to salesperson. Salesperson to salesperson, right? And mm-hmm. and I'm trying to bring that back to Vero um, in any location that I have a part in is is like setting these standards of like, hey, if you're within 15 feet of somebody, that's your zone of interaction, you should be greeting them. You know, if, if a customer's walking and you're walking and you can tell you're about to intersect, give the customer right away. That's These are all things I learned in the service business. Mm-hmm. Like, like they should always feel welcome and, and acknowledged most importantly. So... With that being said, uh, you you were at UCF, and then you were, I was think I was at the career fair where we found. You were. Yeah. I think you were. Yeah. So. So Danny Oliva, who is uh, no longer with CED, he's the guy who flagged me down, uh, because we knew each other in high school. Probably we weren't necessarily friends, just probably acquaintances, you know. Yeah. We saw each other around, and he called me over, and uh, I got to talk to Ann a little bit, him and Ann, and um, yeah, before I knew it, I got a call for an interview. Um, did that with John Reinig and uh, Mike Belusa was there, and uh, the rest is history. Pretty much did the testing and all that good stuff. 
Were you a next day interview or was this like scheduled down the road? Um, it was it was one of the next day interviews that early next morning. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, and have you ever heard of CED before? No. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it. I, prob- I definitely would not have seen the booth if uh, Danny didn't call me over. Yep. Yep. Similar story. I didn't know anybody, but uh, Kyle Phillips, if you're listening, um, literally changed my entire trajectory of my life by literally stepping out in front of me while I was was about to blow right by the sign that said (laughs) electrical supplies, be your own boss or whatever it was at the time. And he was like, hey, can I talk to you? And they didn't have anybody else at the booth. And he was doing what he's supposed to do and flag down people and just generate a buzz and like make it seem like people were interested. And so I stopped and talked to him. Mm -hmm. And I just kept coming back. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Came back. They made it easy. You know, they they were very thorough, followed up right away. And uh, the other companies that I was interviewing with weren't doing that. And, um, yeah, I just, you know, the rest is history pretty much. Pretty much if CED likes you, they really try to get their hooks in you, like, right away mm-hmm. and, and make sure that, that they're being professional and timely and having, you know, that sense of urgency of – because we have lost people because we were 10 minutes late to call them back. You know, somebody 10, somebody 10 minutes before us called them and offered them a job and they took it. Yeah. So we understand that. You know, if we find somebody that's good and, and talented and, and uh, we're excited about them, we're probably not the only ones at the career fair who had that same impression. So, um, And now you've been a manager. So you did you did your training program in two different locations. You were in uh, Fort Myers. Right. And then Sarasota for your outside sales. Mm-hmm. Um, similar locations, like geographically, but how would you define the culture difference? Uh, yeah, there's definitely a culture difference. Um Sarasota is a little more loose and laid back, um, and Fort Myers was a little more tight and, um, I guess, regimented is yeah. the word. But um, similar markets, uh, similar profit centers in general, same amount of people. Um, it's pretty much the same amount of sales. Um, fast-paced, just a great place to work. Both of them. Yeah, yeah, both of them. I get a chance to go see Ed's place in Sarasota on the 7th. Um, I've never been over there. I haven't spent a ton of time at the West Coast Profit Centers. Looking forward to it. But it, I think that's so dynamic that you can go. I mean, what's the what's the distance we're talking about there? Like 60 miles, 50 miles? Yeah, pretty much about an hour drive, maybe give or take 10, 15 minutes. And have totally different customers, similar products, but obviously differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, different approaches and how they go make sales. Different culture on the inside of, of how everybody, you know, even probably even down to like when people show up in the morning and leave and all that stuff. Um, and that's what I love about this company is you can take it and make it your own and, and really build the vision that you see fit for your local market. Right. Perfect transition into you being a manager now for seven, six weeks, seven weeks. Yep. Just about. And, uh, what's been your experience? How does that compare to the training program? Oh, it's different. It's definitely, (laughs) uh, (laughs) it's, uh, it's a little more stress, but the good kind of stress, you know, uh, it's uh it's kind of like um like i said before it's like kind of like carrying the team on your back rather than uh just kind of jumping into a great situation as a trainee um you now have to create a great situation so it's just a little bit of added pressure but um it's fun it's fun and it gets better right as you you get you know you get the hang of it you get used to the people you get used to the customers right uh you really like you start to spread your wings a little bit and take some more chances. Right. Um, so one thing I like to talk about, we haven't, I don't think we've talked about on the podcast is identity at the PC level. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's identities 
kind of like we were talking about the different cultural aspects. So each division's got a different culture. You know, Mike Shapiro in our division does a great job of, of being very inclusive and having these, you know, group sessions where we all get together and, and can, there's time built in for us to interact outside of like, you know, structured confines. And everyone kind of learns a lot more from that because, you know, even during the breaks and stuff, everyone's talking about work, but it doesn't right. seem like it mm-hmm. um, because it's such a great group of people. We all get along. Um, at the at the profit center level, we just talked about this. There's a uh, different identities, different cultures, and I don't know if you could take a moment just to talk about that. What you found in Stewart so far, and what you hope to make it. Um, just talk about how the culture is right now versus how I want it to be, or just like like who is who is Ced Stewart? Ced Stewart. Um, who who were they before you got there? Um, I would say right now they were probably the redheaded stepchild <laughs> in the Stewart market. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Pretty much just, you know, just not doing enough, not, uh, not enough business in there right now. And um, that's what I'm really trying to work on. Just trying to keep an open mind uh, when developing our identity going forward. I want to uh, not just do residential type products because that's what I'm most used to uh, coming up as a trainee. Uh, I want to really identify the types of accounts that we can really add value to and tailor my business to those accounts. All right. Well, that's, again, the beauty of the business model is, is you can literally mold your your store around the, the top customers that you see and want to go after. Mm-hmm. And you can use that in your sales approach, too. Of like, hey, Mr. Customer, however you want to do business, we're going to do business that way. Right. Um, you want to call your orders in? You can do that. You want to email them? You can do that. You want to. I think be different for every every customer. Every customer tailored to them, right? And so, in a way, like we become this extension of their employees. Absolutely. Uh, and that's that's something that I think is is often missed. Is like like we become, they get by working with us, they get all of the people that I've ever hired. You know, in that experience that's downstairs right now, they get that on their payroll, and uh, they're they're able to use that and to better their own business and further that along. Um, so you, you mentioned that you, you want to shy away from residential just because that's what you're comfortable with, and I, I like that. I, I think- don't necessarily want to shy away from it, but just keep that in mind to uh, have an open mind with different types of electrical contractors. To be unbiased. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, to be unbiased. I think, you know, like like any good structure needs more than one pillar to stand on. So. Mm-hmm. Um, where you are a profit center, but you can have different profit centers within your profit center. You can have one that's a residential profit center that's all Lutron and, you know, home controls and all that. And another one that's like commercial and another one that is, you know, I've seen like fire and security alarms be a profit center for a location. And those are just different ways that when one's down, you focus your attention somewhere else. And when mm-hmm. that's down, you go somewhere else. And the more you have, obviously, the stronger your tabletop's going to be because you can take a leg out and the whole thing's not going to just fall right over. Right. Um, and it should be like that. And with employees and with everything, like if somebody's out sick or, or on vacation or whatever, like you need multiple people that can do the same job so that you're not pulling the whole table down just because one person or one aspect of the business is no longer there. So you probably hit the ground running. Did you, did you take some time to just sit back and just kind of monitor and see what's going on in Stewart? Or were you more like, let me get outside and really, really hit the streets? And um, Well, for the first 
month uh it was leading up to inventory so pretty much my first four weeks i had a lot i definitely had the chance to kind of just sit back and observe and um just just really think about what i wanted the location to be in the future and the current state of it leading up to that yeah and your inventory was really clean like i went down there expecting to be there all day and all night and uh I think I left. I left at like five thirty or six, and and it was done, like done, done. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I just remember thinking, like, I've been doing this wrong in bureau this whole time because we're always there, much later than that. And uh, well, it makes it a little bit easier when you know you're not as busy to keep things nice and tidy. Yeah, you know, there's something to be said about that. Um, I think you can have systems in place, but I I like it to be a little messy, a little chaotic. That's just kind of my personality. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's enough going on if everything is just super squared away and organized and clean. I want there to be a little bit of that chaos, you right. know. Like to me that that means that you're you're making waves and you're you're you know, to make an omelet you gotta crack a few eggs, so and then you gotta clean up that mess afterwards. But in the process sometimes it can get kinda messy, right? You're in the kitchen and you're you're making this huge mess. And I always try to do cleanup in like one big swoop. So right before inventory we come in and just try to clean it all up. Um but your, your place was super well organized, and uh, it's a testament to the employees there that, that, you know, we'll see how the recon comes back, but I think the numbers were pretty spot on when we were there. Yeah, my employees definitely did a great job leading up, um, and even before I before I got there, they were prepared, because I think uh, the previous year they didn't have a great experience, so they wanted to make sure that uh, this year was a lot more tidy. Yeah, and that's, that's how we learn, right? We have bad experiences, and we say, damn, I never want to do that again, and... Uh, <laughs> That's how I've learned. I went from a terrible inventory. I think I was here till like two thirty in the morning trying to get out. We didn't have enough food. You know, we didn't have enough people. It, nothing was pre-counted. Like it was just, I could have, I, I probably should have sat down and made a list. And, and now I do that actually when I get home as I, or the next morning when I wake up and I'm drinking coffee at home or whatever, I just make a list of like what went well, what could have been better, you know, systems we could have put in place ahead of time just so that we can, and then I try not to lose that for 363 days because <laughs> that's what happens. You make this great list, and then you don't. I, now I send it to myself in the future um, because otherwise you'll lose it and be like, "Man, I know there was something I was supposed to do with this, you know, right before inventory." Yeah. So coming out of inventory, shifting gears to go full blown sales. Mm-hmm. What's your approach as a new manager? Um, I would say mainly just um, just really trying to stay focused on taking action every day that are you know like baby steps in the right direction to really turn it around um just calling on as many accounts as possible trying not to get too tied up in the profit center trying to meet all my existing customers while uh trying to stay organized at the same time making sure i prioritize things so what advice would you give a trainee going in the outside sales phase or i would say um this is something that I learned from Tim Henderson, so shout out Tim Henderson, is to get out of your own way and uh, trust in yourself, trust in uh, your product knowledge, your people's skills, your, um, your will to service, and uh, trust in the fact that you know that uh, anything that gets thrown at you, you'll be able to help this customer, and um, don't think about it for too long, just get in there and service the customer. And so what do you do if somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer to it, and you're in front of them? You tell them you don't know. You tell them the truth, but you tell them you're going to find out and get back to them. Okay. That's the answer I was looking for. I was hoping you would say that because being resourceful is better than being knowledgeable. Right. Remember that, guys. Being resourceful is better than being knowledgeable. 
it's very hard to remember every single thing. We all know people in this industry that know every part number and every interaction and, you know, how things work, especially with gear and lighting and stuff. That's great. It's very challenging. It takes years to figure out. In your beginning stages, be resourceful. Like, learn to pick up the phone six times when you don't get the answer one through five. You know, go on the Internet, read about it, uh, get a catalog, go through it with the customer, but make sure you follow up with that customer and get back to them. Agreed. By any means necessary. By any means necessary. Call Ryan Stewart if you have any questions. He'll point you in the right direction. Don't get stuck overthinking. Just kind of take some action. And yeah. good, good things have happened for me uh, doing that. Yeah. yeah. I definitely think that a lot of people can spend time, especially in the very beginning of, of that series of like, you know, they want everything to be perfect. They don't want to make mistakes. They want to make sure they're using their time 100% well. So they, they'll plan it all out. And I agree with having plans, but they need to be... They need to be paths, you know, paths to your goals, not not the goal itself. So the goal is to raise the business. The path is whatever it takes to get there, you mm-hmm. know. So mm-hmm. the path isn't, hey, we're going to make 15 sales calls every single week. And if I'm at 14, but it goes over because I'm really connecting with this employee or this this not, this not uh, contractor, you don't say, hey, time out, man. I got to hit 15. I got to I gotta go and call on somebody else just to hit 15. You, you switch gears a little bit and you spend the time with the people that, you kind of vibe with and you'll know pretty quickly whether like this is an opportunity where i can actually help this person and they're they're open to it and they want it mm-hmm. versus you know we're just not going to connect you know i've had i've had that happen a few times especially in palm bay where we'd walk into a place and i'd be like this probably isn't going to work out like we're going to call on them three more times just to make sure but my gut reaction is these guys just care about price or they they don't care about distributors or service um, they just kind of chew people up and spit them out. And that was, turns out to be, you know, a year later. That's pretty accurate. Um, but there's also a chance that that could be inaccurate. Right. That's why we need to call on three more times right, and, to make sure. and, and get on their quote process and all yeah. that. I mean, there were a few times where I was thinking to myself, ah, you know, this, this might not work out, but I got out of my own way and did it anyway. And right. it, it turned out in my favor and I was glad that I did it. I think, uh, something somebody told me a long time ago when I was selling art out of the back of my car at 19 years old is, is you can never prejudge anybody. So the, the goal was to go, you know, sell as much art as you can. The path to get there was to knock on a hundred doors and it didn't matter if the door was, you know, a, a nice, beautiful commercial facility or a restaurant or just somebody that the door could be just somebody walking by and you're like, Hey, I'm trying to sell this art. And so in, in that sense, like, don't overthink it. Like don't judge, don't prejudge anybody. I've had people whip out wads of cash and pay for art when they were literally walking down the street and you're like, what are they going to do with all this? <laughs> and where did this money come from? And who are these people? They didn't, they didn't dress the part. They didn't have a vehicle at the time, it seemed. But learning to not prejudge them and just, just getting the message out there and, and getting out of my own way has definitely been super helpful. So are you the main person running sales right now at, at your location? Um, as far as outside sales, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you like that part of the training, right? Like that you kind of gravitated towards that or? Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely um, where I really felt like I started to hit my stride in Sarasota, especially um, right before I left everything. It was going really well uh, in my outside sales territory and I was starting to really enjoy it. So um, it, it, it's been a little difficult trying to build that back up. But at the same time, um, that success has given me the confidence to know that I can I can do it here again. Well, and so... What advice would you have to a manager that is managing a trainee in that phase that 
that helped you or that you wish, you know, like you knew earlier or something that Ed did really well when you were there, were there or? Um, I guess you kind of have to feel out the trainee first, you know, to see if they have that burning desire. Yeah. And um, sense of urgency. Sense of urgency, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if they do, just uh, kind of uh, get out of their way, you know. Just let them spread their wings and fly or at least at least give it their best shot. Um, one thing that Ed did that really helped me a lot was um, – you know, if I if I thought that uh, if we brought something into stock and uh, I knew I'd be able to sell it, uh, he was all for it. You know, he never turned me down. Um, he backed me 100% on things like that. And I thought that was huge. I mean, it shows a lot of confidence. Um, I think you were his first trainee or first in a while? or I, I think so. Yeah, I was his first trainee. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of, like, he's trying to figure out the program. And, right. Um, you know, I'm dealing with that right now with um, – David, he came from from Clearwater, where Scott it was it was his first trainee. So there's a lot of like, you know, we're both learning as we go, kind of a thing. It, you know, the trainees learning from them, but they're also learning like how to deal with and manage trainees. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of Ed's personality is like, oh, we'll sell it, <laughs> or, or worst case, we'll return it. You know, like that's why we have terms with vendors. So I think that's pretty cool. He opened it up and just said, yeah, he he was one of those guys. You know, I w I felt comfortable going into his office to ask him a dumb question or something you know we were we had a great relationship no such thing as dumb questions right all right uh there there are questions though that you could find out kind of on your own yeah yeah even questions like that you know he, he never uh never turned me away he was he was very supportive yeah and that's i don't mind answering questions i i do like to have people kind of like I'll often answer questions with the question, you know, of like, hey, how do I find this? Well, what steps have you taken? Or how do you think you could find it? Or hey, if I weren't here, how would you find it? Or just to try to get them more in the thinking mode of like, especially a trainee, like you're gonna have to figure this out on your own at some point. And it's important that that you take the extra second instead of doing the knee jerk, ask, ask the person to your left or ask the person to the right. Um, because you may be there at six o'clock on a Friday trying to figure something out for a customer and there's nobody around, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that, I think that's a crucial part of it is just giving you the freedom. And I've always said my, I want to hire good people, train them well, and then get the hell out of their way. You know, I don't want to micromanage. sounds like Ed didn't want to do that either. No, no, no. That's not, um, I would say that's not his management style with any of his people. And how are you balancing managing a location with making the outside calls? Um, I feel like I'm doing it pretty well. I feel like I could probably get out a little more. I'll probably always feel like that. Um, but uh, I feel like I've been able to develop a pretty good relationship with my people. And, um, you know, I, I try to stay out of their way. You know, if I realize that they have a talent at something or, you know, if, um, you know, if they don't need my help with something, I don't, I don't step in. <laughs> I let them do their thing. Yeah, it's kind of a trust but verify situation. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And your people are all—they've been there for a couple of years at least, and and um, maybe more. I think four or five years for some of them. So that helps a lot. I mean, if you go to a place where uh, you know you are the most experienced person as a trainee, and there's, you're probably going to have a huge learning, mm -hmm. you know, uh, learning experience and a learning curve. Learning curve. That's it. Okay. A learning curve. That's it. Um, and so because of that, like coming into a location that has lots of, lots of experience already and just trying to funnel that into the right, right situation can go a long way, can go a long way. 
Um, so you and I have been talking for the last at least probably year, year and a half about different different podcasts, different uh, self-development, you know, personal development type, uh, whether it's books or podcasts or mm-hmm. audible books. Um, when did you get into personal development? Um, I would say probably a year into the training program. Um, actually, it was probably when I started outside sales in uh, in Sarasota, and that's actually when you and I began to began to talk a little bit more frequently. And um, you know, after you started sending me, you know, snippets of, you know, Tom Billu or Jocko or yeah, um, you know, anybody like that, I kind of I kind of thought to myself, well, man, all these guys make a lot of sense. You know, I could <laughs> learn something from these guys. And uh, I've always kind of tried to keep an open mind and, uh, you know, really do my due diligence on, um, you know, different different ways to just grow as an individual. Well, I think what's interesting about those guys is to some extent, if you listen to enough podcasts, you hear like the same information. Right. Yeah. And so that's a couple of things there. It's, it's the same information which led, leads you to realize like, Hey, there is nothing new under the sun. It's just these people's, you know, interpretation of it and their experiences that are molding over the same, you know, whether it's a, a quick slogan or a, a motto or, you know, whatever they're focusing on for that day. But it also makes you realize, like, this stuff's been around forever. Like, and it's just a question of opening up to it and making the decision to, to that you want to grow and you want to get better and you want to struggle and strive to it is a decision definitely it is right you have to decide that you want to uh that you want to suffer you know for for the good down down the line you know you just have to believe in that what do you mean by that um you know i believe that you have to suffer a little for a while to uh really reap the benefits in the future and uh that it'll pay off you know like the the hard times at work when you're really really digging deep trying to figure something out and you know, you're upset you can't figure it out yet, but you take a second and think to yourself, I won't forget this again, or, you know, this will be good in the future. Like, right. I, this, this mistake won't happen again. And, uh, you know, that's when I know that I'm growing is when I'm in pain. Yeah. Yeah. And you realize, like, I don't want to do this again. Or, hey, I've been in a situation. And I remember I went left, so I should go left again. And, uh, I mean, that's such a big monumental shift in the way that people look right they go from thinking like i want to just live this super comfy casual life to i'm going to look for ways that challenge myself and to to make my life more difficult it's kind of unusual don't you think yeah yeah but i mean i think that's one thing that successful people all have in common is that they seek that out and uh that's that's another thing that uh that motivates me as an individual and that's why i kind of i gravitate towards people who do that I mean, it's certainly been a change in my life, like, like, cause it makes everything, especially if you have like planned suffering, which sounds so weird to say out loud, but like, if you build things into your life that are just like really difficult by nature, whether it's fasting or cold showers or working out or getting up early or, Hey, doing all of those things every single day, <laughs> um, for weeks, years on end, you know, mm-hmm. and, and realizing that like, there's not a whole lot that that everyday life can throw at me that's more difficult than what I'm already doing to myself, you know, just for fun. Right. I agree. <laughs> and and so then it, it kind of calluses your your mind and your body, literally, physically, to being able to deal with these things as they come up. Yeah, definitely. Shout out David Goggins on that. Yes. <laughs> DG. Yeah. Um, and that's, 
I don't know. It's such a difference maker. For me, it's been it's been life changing. Like that's I think we were talking about earlier about the growth of CD Vero Beach and kind of what we've done here to to improve upon things. I think we've just done we've just taken on really hard challenges. We've just decided that to grow is going to be painful and we're going to do it at whatever cost it's going to take. And whether that means physically blowing out the bay next door and and, and taking on that challenge um, or hiring more people or trying all sorts of new things and seeing what sticks and, and dealing with the failure when it doesn't work. And then just like totally moving on like nothing ever happened, you know, mm-hmm. because I think people get caught up in like this idea that like everybody's watching me and if I mess up and if I fall and I fail, if this thing I'm trying to roll out doesn't work out, then they're going to they're going to be like, oh, he, it didn't work out. Look at what a loser. Ha ha. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. I don't think that people are paying that much attention, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're dealing with their own issues. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. I would agree with that, too. And their own struggles and their own like, you know just obstacles in their life and then if you just move on like nothing happened then you just you're just always moving forward and it it constantly just eventually grows and you have the skill sets that you learn from it that nobody could ever take away from you right yeah uh so i think that you know i talk to mike Spear about this all the time like that mindset and the the personal development and like just just looking for ways to always try to cram more knowledge into your brain is, is something that you really, again, you can't teach somebody that, you know, you can, you can't lead a horse to water and make them drink. I, I do often say that you can sure as hell try to make them thirsty. And the way to do that is by, you know, leading by example. Um, so what are your plans for Stuart? Having said all that? Oh, my plans for Stuart, um, you know, a year or two down the line, I really, ideally, I'd like it to have, you know, a great counter business. Um, I'd like my driver to actually be driving the truck and making deliveries. Um, just having, um, you know, great rapport at the counter, um, you know, being able to joke with the guys when they come in, uh, the electrical contractors, uh, just have, just developing um, you know, tight relationships with the guys. Um, that's for me when uh, it really felt the most rewarding um, when I was having my success in the outside sales phase was, uh, you know, you're like you said earlier, you really feel like you're a part of their business just as much as you are uh, your business at CED. Um, when they, you know, when they really ingratiate you into their business, uh, it's a great feeling. I wish, I wish you could make that happen faster, like because it takes a long time to get customers on board. There's like this level of trust you have yeah. to build and mm-hmm. earn and. But at some point you're like, listen, Mr. Customer, I've done this before. Like I'm, I'm good at what I do. Like <laughs> I know I have to earn this, but do we really have to go through all the steps of like, you know, the 12 sales calls just to get the opportunity to quote <laughs> yeah. and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I that's think, the reward, you know? Yeah. And that makes it feel way more rewarding. If it was easy, you know, it wouldn't be so rewarding. Yeah. I'm looking for that. It's not really a shortcut, but it's like that, that way to just kind of, it's a shortcut just to cut, just <laughs> yeah. to cut through that because i mean I, I i personally don't mind making sales calls i kind of like it it's it's fun it's challenging it's exciting everyone's different um i think what's funny especially growing palm bay and then coming back to vero and trying to build a new sales territory ter- territory here for myself and for randy um and david it's like i feel like we're starting all over again but i've been here for seven years you know and kind of exciting 
it's kind of exciting. Do you ever find yourself um, you know, just kind of sitting back and thinking about like what you've been able to do with CD Vero and kind of just like, you know, smelling the roses sometimes, or is it always, you know, go, go, go? It's pretty rare. It's pretty rare. It's not, it's not, it's not as often as you might think. Um, I just, I've never been one of those people that looks back and says like, look at these amazing things we did. You know, somebody asks, I'll explain the history to them, but it's, it's more about like, kind of a, what have you done for me today to myself, you right, know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I really believe that complacency is a form of death. And if you're going to stay the same, then why keep going? Why keep showing up if it's going to be exactly the same every single day? And uh, if you're going to make the same amount of money every year, like that's, that's just crazy boring to me. You know, I don't even like being at, at, at the office when it's, when it's slow, like it's just, I need that constant change and that constant push and that constant, you know, just, just drive to like to always make it better to and not just for myself like when i pull up in the morning and i look out at all the vehicles that are there and there are a lot of vehicles in my parking lot at 658 in the morning and they're not they're not necessarily customers it's it's employees you know and i'm responsible for that car payment and that car payment and that car payment and this person's ability to put food on the table and their mortgage and their cell phone bills and their clothes and their vacations like that's all on us you know if we do a bad job at our job it's not Ryan doesn't have a bad year. Mike doesn't have a bad year. Like your whole team and their families and their ability to to accomplish the goals that they want in their life suffer as a result and not in the good way of suffering. Right. And so I'm willing to to put it all on the line every single day and to try to be the hardest working person in the room uh, with the with the skill sets that I have and try to bring more people in and and teach them what I've learned and and maybe we can all look back and I don't think I'm at that point though. You know, I, I don't think, I don't think at seven years in at 34 years old that I'm at the point where I'm going to look back and say like, this was enough. Right. You know, I don't, I don't think that that's, I, mean, I still have 33 more years left. Yeah. That's a long time. It seems like you've been a manager way longer than uh, seven years for some reason. Well, sometimes it feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> But, but, you know, then I, you talk to a guy like Dan in California who was on the show last week. And, uh, you know, he's we're going to talk about it next time. So I don't want to ruin it too much. But, you know, he's he's in his 50s and uh, he just had a birthday last Thursday and he's been a manager for 14 years. And, and he's still saying the same thing. It's like, like mm-hmm. no, like this is the year that we're going to beat last year and we're going to make it great. And, um, you know, he's not taking his foot off the gas because, you know, he's. He, he sees that the horizon in the future. It's like, hey, that's not guaranteed to be there when we when we get to sixty five or sixty seven or whatever it is. Especially you, and and B, why not make the the last ten percent way better and and with more effort and and more exciting than the, than the first ninety. Yeah, you, you know, should like, be able to build on momentum of the years previous. Look at champion players. Look mm-hmm. at LeBron. I know you're a LeBron fan. <laughs> Uh, look at Larry Bird. Look at Michael Jordan. Like these guys, they played hard all game, but then when it came down to the last couple minutes of the fourth quarter, like that's when they really turned it on. They didn't say like, "Well, didn't you guys see what I did in, in quarter two? Like, remember when I scored twenty five points?" And you know what I mean? Like that doesn't matter if you lose the game, right? So if you don't if you don't close it out and like really go hard all the way to the last second and demand to have that ball at the last second to take that shot, it's all for nothing. And I think that's that's like the hardest part to to really, especially 
you know, we have a kind of a young profit center in Vero Beach, and I think you do too, and, and Stuart, like those guys are all have the potential to be there for 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Um, and to keep it exciting and engaging, I found that people, customers, employees, myself, like we just, we require new things all the time. Yeah, I agree. I'm definitely going to try to, uh, try to take a page out of your book and, uh, as far as, uh, keeping my employees engaged and, um, you know, just doing team building activities, looking forward to what we have planned on, uh, June 14th. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, that can, um, create me making some strides with the relationships with, uh, the people in my profit center. You know, and, and our division's super unique. We, we do the, the cruise at the end of the year with the managers. We have all these division meetings that, you know, Mike gives us the opportunity to go do something fun afterwards, or even if it's just hang out and have a barbecue or whatever. Like, it's like this opportunity to socialize um, outside of sitting in a meeting in a, in a conference room. And because of that, like, we're, we're just, we're going to learn so much. We're going to ask questions that have been bothering us that we're, you know, maybe a little embarrassed to ask in front of, you know, 50 people, but we'll ask one-on-one or, um, you know, we'll try to dive deep on a subject that you just don't have time to cover in a meeting or whatever it is. But, you know, and we do the chili cook-off where they, they literally get like every profit center on the Southeast comes together and does a chili cook-off and I'm so bummed I can't make it this year. I'm flying back that day. Um and if I were flying to Miami, I'd be there. I'd stop on the way home, but <laughs> flying to Orlando, so it'd just be this crazy job. What is the exact date of that again? June 1st. June 1st, okay. Yeah, so if you're listening and it's not June 1st yet, then you can still go to the Chili Cook-Off um, in South Florida. But, like, those are the kind of events that, like, they make all the difference for the employees. Like, they get to get out and see, wow, like, it's not just my cubicle or my desk or the counter at CED Vero Beach. It's you know, all these people I talk to on the phone are real people. And now one piece of advice that I wanted to mention, we were talking about, uh, you know, who makes the sales calls in your, in your area. When you're out selling, you, you're a, you're selling yourself and then you're selling CED and then you're selling, you know, a product or something like that. But within that, you have to find where you're going to be selling the team, you know, like you're going to be yeah. selling Thomas and, and Mike and Diana and, and Rob on the truck. And like, um, you're selling this whole package and at some point they're going to be, cause otherwise they're going to be calling you all the time. They're going to be texting you all the time and you can only handle so much in a day, even though, you know, you, you got that server background and everything. So you want to be selling it with the whole package of the team. And then at some point you should bring those guys out to meet the customers. I'd say that's probably like sales call, what, like nine, 10. Yeah. That's probably after you got a couple of orders that they've executed on, Yeah. You know? But yeah, I definitely agree on that. Uh, did you ever do that in Sarasota? Um, with an inside guy? Yeah. Yeah, actually. Um, I actually shared an office with a guy uh, named Al Fariso, and um, he was a huge help to me in my development, um, just with product knowledge in general, as a, just as a salesperson in general. And um, yeah, I brought him along on a couple of sales calls with, um, with a customer of mine, and it went really well. I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's got electrical supplies on the shelf. Everyone can set pricing matrices to, you know, whatever GP they need to put on it to win the order. What's going to separate us from the competition is, is us, you know, <laughs> like, like it's the yeah. team, it's the people. Right. I think CED does a really good job of like, you know, understanding that they're in the people business. Um, our customers are people, you know, hopefully that stays that way in the future. Um, <laughs> with all this automation and stuff, you know, our vendors are people, right. our, 
our team, it, they're all people. Like it's just a people business, and and so that capital is really just a human capital, and so having good people on all sides of it and getting them to interact is a huge part of it. Right. Yeah, I agree. Well, any questions you got for us while we're here? Any uh, anything you want to bring up on the air or um, parting words? Nothing specific. I uh, just appreciate you having me. Uh, hopefully, I can have another. Uh, do another podcast with you in a year or so and hopefully be, um, you know, running a profitable profit center, <laughs> you know? Well, that's the, uh, the key word in the whole yeah. PC part of it is the, the yeah. profit part. But, you know, one thing I, I think is, is interesting to see is like, like Nick started, we interviewed him right before we started. And so we're getting a different take on this. We're on the other side of it. We're six weeks out. And when, and when I talked to you, even like week two or three like right after inventory you're like man i just i want to be doing more i want to be doing more and i had to keep being like hey man you've only been there four mm-hmm. weeks you've only been there for five weeks and i i think that that's really admirable and i think that if you could, if you're able to maintain that level of intensity like it just has to work it's just yeah i, I feel like that's you know it's kind of like what you said it'll probably never change you know i don't, I don't <laughs> see that feeling ever going away so um you know if anything, that is that's one thing I think I've got going for me is just the the burning desire to want to you know just be successful. I don't think you're gonna wake up at forty and feel markedly different than you do right now. You know, and that's something that Gary Vee always talks about is is people are like, well, I only want to work for a couple of years because then I'll be old. And he's like, well, how old are you now? Oh, I'm 27. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like yeah. I think Gary's 42 or 44 or something like that. But he always talks about like he, he's like he feels better now than he did when he was, you know, in his 30s because now he's actually eating right and working out and doing all the things outside of business that I, are, enable him to to have that longevity in in the day because he works crazy hours. And that's that stuff definitely translates. Uh, like you said, just you know, just pushing yourself in the gym and just you know uh, doing the things that hurt. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know that way uh, daily tasks at work they can't stop you. You know, they won't they won't be able they won't uh be able to weigh you down or, um, you know, seem like a burden. Yeah. And every opportunity you get to, to learn something new that's difficult or to have a, a really uncomfortable experience, you know, I've had, I've just picked up the phone and, you know, it's ringing. You don't even see who it is. And somebody just starts like yelling at you about something, you know, it's about something that you had nothing to do with. And you're just kind of like, and then they hang up before you even get to say something. They're just so upset about something, whatever it is. And you're like, wow, that, you know, a couple of years ago, that would like make my blood like I feel my pulse in my head and stuff. And now it's kind of like, well, I've had that happen a few times, you know, and I, I still don't, you know, and don't know what it's about or you go deal with the situation and you fix it or whatever it is. You know, it's, in some sense, we deal with like an emotional business. Like we're dealing with people's money and they're a lot of times their time. If we screw something up is, is really what's being impacted. Um, so there are emotions involved and you learn to, to deal with those better and uh, to be a little more stoic in the approach of uh of handling it, but it all comes to that experience of like, it had that never happened, I would be freaking out when it does happen. And it happens. And it's just like anything in life. Like if, if you never do anything hard and all of a sudden you're faced with something difficult and challenging, man, it's like the hardest thing ever. You're never going to get through it. Right. Yeah. But doing hard things every day, kind of, I don't know. It's, it just makes you stronger. It, it just, does. It definitely does. Callous the mind. Callous the mind. I think that's, uh, it's probably gonna how you know might be the title of the episode is "Callous the Mind," stealing the David Goggins quote. Well, Ryan, thanks for coming on to the bigger 
I almost said Bigger Pockets podcast. The uh, Get Wired podcast. That's, <laughs> that's a great podcast too. I've been listening to that one. The Bigger Pockets. Yeah, it's a great podcast. Uh, yeah, it's you know, it's 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 not all real estate. They do a lot of other, um, you know, just staying focused and um, pr- productivity tactics and stuff like that. And it does it adds value to any career. Yeah, and they just use real estate as their their template for that. You could you could apply it to anything, just like we're using electrical supplies to talk about mindset like it, it all translates you know and so i think exposing yourself to a variety of different experiences whether it's audio or reading or i think that's what it is looping back we're not we're not done yet we're coming back okay so okay. coming back to your question about like do you ever look back and it's 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 no because there's so much more stuff that i want to learn and and mm-hmm. put into it that every time i do something or learn a new skill it kind of hits the reset button on the whole clock right so it's like <laughs> It's never going to end because there's so much information out there. And by the time you've caught up on all the podcasts you could listen to for the week, there's probably eight more you could listen to. And so there's all these new things you could try or information you could get. And it just keeps you hungry. Yeah, absolutely. You're always going to be coming back for more. Never quit. All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening to the Get Wired podcast. I'm your host, Mike Burkhardt. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mike.